Good morning, and welcome to Lopes on Movies. My name is Joey Lopes, and today I am joined by Connor. Good morning. Hey, Connor, what's going on? This is uh, we're recording this on the Fourth of July, so that's kind of special. And this is a uh, a very patriotic episode of this show. Yeah, I hope everybody had a really good Fourth of July, and uh, and everything. You know, a lot of people doing they can take they took the Monday off because Fourth of July was on Tuesday, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it made like a big big old weekend. Yeah, you know, I wasn't able to take Monday off, so my my Fourth of July weekend was kind of not really a Fourth of July weekend at all. Like I have off today at least, obviously, but you know, I, I wasn't really able to do anything substantial. Uh, just because I, I wasn't able to get that Monday off, so it's kind of sad, mm. honestly. I, I wish I could have had like a longer Fourth of July weekend because, uh, I, oh, actually, there was a lot of stuff to do up in in New York, movie-wise, over this uh, this Fourth of July weekend, or at least yesterday. I know that uh, friend of the show, Mark, frequent co-host, went to see a uh, a movie at Metrograph, The Long Goodbye, which is of course a mm. Philip Marlowe movie, and we've been talking about. Yeah, Marlowe and and Raymond Chandler and stuff a lot over the past couple of weeks as we've been reading those books and whatever. But the point is, I've wanted to see that movie for a long time. That would have been a great thing to do. Alas, I I, I was not able to to make a trip up. And the tickets sold out. Like it 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 was at Metrograph, and mm-hmm. which is a great great theater that does like all sorts of showings, mm-hmm. all all sorts of older movies, newer movies. Uh, and yeah, and I I I went up, by the time I was trying to get tickets, it was already sold out. Which was uh, a shame. It is a shame. It's a huge shame. But uh, I mean, but at the yeah. same time, I want to. I want to like read those, like Raymond Chandler books before watching the movies mm-hmm. where I can. So yeah, it makes sense. I'll get to that one eventually. It makes sense. Yeah, uh, and that was directed by Robert Altman. So it was, was like I think it's supposed to be real. That that, that one's supposed to be really, really. Yeah, it's a, really it's good. a big time real movie. You know, I've I've seen a handful mm-hmm. of Robert Altman movies, but he's like. He seems like one of those directors that for a really long time was regarded as one of the greatest of all time, and now, for mm. some reason, doesn't get talked about quite as much, or at least like he, he does among the people who know, but like he's not as gigantic of a uh, of a name, which maybe it's just because he's not alive anymore, and maybe that just had a had a, a, an impact on it, but I don't the know. The big one I know from him is The Player. Yeah, The Player's great. Oh, that's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, you should, you should yeah. watch the play. <laughs> a, yeah, we should we should do that one. Uh, do a show on that one at some point. It was a great moment on a uh, a Mets broadcast this year when where Gary Cohen brought up the player. <laughs> was, was talking about how great of a movie it was. Uh, great, great times, great, great times watching baseball and watching movies. Anyway, um, so so I, I'm kind of curious, Connor. I know that you saw Asteroid City, and uh, that this has been an interesting point of contention over the past couple of, uh, I guess the past week since people have been seeing it. I know that, uh, the, you know, head of the radio here, Steve Craymark, his son dragged him to it and he hated it. Um, <laughs> oh, like, really? yeah, yeah. Just, oh, no. he, he was, he was not an asteroid city guy. His son loved it, which I think is very funny. Uh, yeah. But what did you think of it? I know you, you saw it like shortly after we, we recorded the episode. Yeah. I, I, I've, uh, I liked it. I was perplexed the entire way through, but uh, it was it, it was very good. I, mean, I think you and Mark uh, you know, on the last show did a great job breaking it down of that it's really kind of almost three stories. Yeah, that are that are told. That uh, ah man, it's so it's so interesting the way that it the storytelling for that. So like the way that characters kind of jump out of like the central 
like story, which is the play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's not actually real, but it's it, it makes you think about what the actual meanings were behind everything yeah, that goes like, into it. What, what was he going for? You know, what what is right. the, what 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 is this all about? And uh, I, yeah. I still I still really <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I, and it, it's a movie that maybe someday I'll watch it again, and hopefully, like there maybe I'll I'll get it a little bit more even though like as i said last week i think there's there's plenty to enjoy in it even if you don't get it but not getting it i think can be a uh a frustrating thing for a lot of people and uh yeah (laughs) i i don't blame anybody that doesn't like asteroid city because i don't think it's a very accessible movie by any stretch it's Uh, kind of funny that's the way that you it's a movie that well i mean movies in general like you have to uh you know what? What is it? Suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Right. But this movie is like actively taking you out of the fact that it's a movie. Many yeah. Times. Yeah. It's, but yeah. it's it's uh like you sometimes get well get lost in the long stretches that are just like the actual narrative story, which is the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. play within a play. It's very Shakespearean, I guess, in in some aspects mm-hmm. of like the way like the storytelling mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh. But then it'll take you out of it, it like or Brian Cranston will will walk in and start narrating like the making of the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet it's it's still filmed. It's not a play. It's it's a movie. It's it's very very strange. It's very strange. It's... Yes. <laughs> um. So I I don't know. All, all I'll say is uh, message to Steve out there. I know that this this Wes Anderson movie really didn't do it for you, but don't let that make you think that Wes Anderson is no good. Uh, <laughs> Wes Anderson is good, you know. Yeah. Even even if you know, Asteroid City didn't do it for you, watch Rushmore. Nobody can dislike Rushmore. It's an impossible movie to dislike. I'll tell you the the one thing that I found disappointing with it is that there's very little music in it. There's a there's like the one like like piano part yeah, that, yeah. that's played a few times, but there's very little music, which I yeah. guess is it, it's not really meant for this one. But I I. There's lots of Wes Anderson movies that have these great, like, scores. Like, I'm even thinking The French Dispatch, the music mm-hmm. that Alexandre Desplat did for that one mm-hmm. is just fantastic. Yeah, this like, one's there's, very, there's... very much like a little twinkly piano, like, two-note thing that just kind of, like, right. comes in sometimes. But the other thing that's funny is that, like, early Wes Anderson was defined not so much by the scores, which they did have, like, like musicals. I think Rushmore was, like, Mark Mothersbaugh or something. And, like, they did have, like, scores, but he was also just, like, an absolute master of putting in, like, 60s and 70s rock at key emotional moments and picking, like, the absolute perfect songs. Like, this this was all through, like, up up to the Royal Tenenbaums he was doing this. Um, like, the the best possible songs for like british rock and roll um and like rushmore is just filled with them royal tenenbaums has them i mean it's it's incredible stuff but he kind of just like has moved away from that entirely and now is doing very much these uh very kind of twinkly scores um and i think this this movie especially is the the most uh like it's definitely the 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 score that is I, i don't know exactly how to put it it's it's not quite a uh it's a very distinct aspect of the movie, but in a way that's kind of like not very special. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it. There's just not a lot of it. Yeah, I think I like that little keyboard song, but uh, it it was just very 
it was it was it wasn't the point of this one i yeah. guess uh, but i still liked it yeah yeah it was a perfectly fine movie you know i think uh there's uh, it's one that'll probably reward repeat viewings if you uh if you decide you're you're willing to do that but of course many of us will not be and that's fine you know but uh you know, rushmore's great you'll you'll, <laughs> you'll love rushmore i'm sure uh anyway mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some movie news before we get to the movie that both me and you watched. Yeah, um, because there's a lot of like there's a lot of big movies coming out this year. I mean, we got like there's a big summer blockbuster, Mission Impossible. Uh, there's the big Barbie movie, right? Well, that's kind of you know? that's kind of what I want to talk about is the Barbie movie, at least a, a little bit. So like the the Barbie movie, it, Bar Barbie is of course a toy, um, a a toy for for little girls. But but the Barbie movie is is for adults. To be clear, this this is a movie for adults. This is not for for children. So a lot of kids are very confused by this. Uh, I'm gathering because uh, they they think that why is the Barbie movie? Why can't I go see the Barbie movie? It's like no, this movie's for adults because that's that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> no, the the funny thing there was a a news article from the New Yorker about. Mattel, which is of course the toy company that owns Barbie, among many other things, where apparently Mattel has just kind of like completely gone off the rails and is like, yeah, we're going to make movies about everything. But like, <laughs> it's at the point where it's it almost seems like it might actually happen. Um, like, like I'm not even kidding here. Like, we're we're talking about things like J.J. Abrams is attached to a Hot Wheels movie. Um, Vin Diesel is attached to a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. Uh, mm. We already know about the Daniel Kaluuya Barney movie. Um, and now th this one is especially crazy, where it's like the, the, the uh, so, some representative from... Uh, it's executive producer Kevin McKeon. So whoever is executive producing this Barney film for Mattel Films, he said... That it's going to be, you know, sur surrealistic, you know, in the ve the vein of films by Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones, and uh, th this this quote is is crazy. We're leaning into the millennial angst of the property rather than fine tuning this for kids. It's really a play for adults. Not that it's R rated, but it will focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being thirty something, growing up with Barney, just the oh level of disenchantment within the generation. Um, Connor, what's going on? I I don't know. What, what is going know. on here? Millennial angst. Also, hmm. I, I I Connor, I'm just so confused. How did we get here? How did we get to the point where the we have some major filmmakers and big people in Hollywood are genuinely attached to making movies about toys owned by the Mattel company? I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I I just I guess we're all out of ideas. Like it's, and this is something that people know. We the charting the death of culture is not something that I find enjoyable. But I I just I I can't get over this. Like re reading about this Barney movie has broken something in my brain. Like I do, I don't understand how we got here. I don't understand why this is happening. Um, and and you read this article in the New Yorker, and it's like it's it, it's a genuinely surreal article. Like the uh, the COO of Mattel. Like they describe him as like this Willy Wonka type figure who will show these Hollywood types to their like the uh, the Mattel lab, and uh, so so th this is a quote from him, uh, Richard Dixon's name. He says the brand immersion is the everything moment. 
I have met with some of the greatest artists truly in the world. And if you don't walk out drinking the Kool-Aid, then it was a great play date, but maybe we don't continue playing. How creepy what? is this? This guy is creepy. This is terrible. This is so, so horrible. I don't want you to meet with artists. Go away. Who are you? This is, it's very, it's very strange. Do, have they released anything else about this? This Barney movie is—is it, is it going to be about like the guy who's in the suit or something? No, and, we don't like, know. We don't know. We don't know much about it. We just know that Daniel Kaluuya is attached to direct it or write it or something. I think this is just going to be his big one, huh? Yeah, I—I I don't know. I—I hmm. I, I, haven't directed anything before, right? Not that I'm aware of. At least nothing big, but. But like that—that's—that's that's just one of like forty-five projects that they allegedly have in development. And of course, not all of those are going to come to light. But you know, if this Barbie movie is successful, you know, you better—you better believe we're going to see Hot Wheels. You better believe we're going to see Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You know, like I—I—I I, I, I just I—I I don't know what I don't even know what to say. I just find this so bizarre that uh, you know the filmmakers have gotten to this point now where they're. Like they're so desperate to make anything that isn't controlled specifically by, like, I guess like when you get a filmmaker like Greta Gerwig, right? She's making this Barbie movie because they pretty much gave her creative control to do whatever she wanted on it, as long as it's a Barbie movie, right? And I guess that's probably the same with all of these other ones, where they, I, I don't think that the Mattel people really care what gets made as long as it's, you know the brand mm, right it's very interesting <laughs> but how weird is that like this is so weird so the only way that we're able to get movies made by artists for adults is if they're tied to the intellectual property of toys for children i think that what, the, what it really comes down to is they're so panicked about how they're going to get things seen because so many movies that they spend a ton of money on just tank immediately because nobody knows what they are and nobody nobody has any idea what the things are and they no one or a lot of people don't want to take a chance on certain things especially from a new filmmaker no actors that they recognize uh, and then a movie could be great and it just doesn't do well but if it's attached to something that people recognize they think that it's going to drive them into the theater more I guess well yeah that's that's obviously know. what it is I mean intellectual property is everything we always talk about that but like. I just find this this particular breed of that like trend so so strange, and it it just feels like we're we're in a very strange world at the moment. Um, any, anyway, can we go back to when uh, the world made sense a little bit more? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wish that you know we didn't have to in order to make a movie with a, a reasonable budget made by an artist. I wish it didn't have to be. A Barney movie, or or a Hot Wheels movie, which it makes no sense because those are for children. I don't get it. I, I I'm I kind of I just don't get it. That's all it is. I just don't get it. I'm I'm lost. I'm I'm lost and confused. Uh, so I'm just going to continue to retreat into movies made in the fifties as, as I regress further and further into old age. Uh, because I, I the, what else can I do? What what else can we can we do? That that's all there's there is left to do. Uh, so how about we talk about a movie from the fifties? <laughs> <For, laughs> yeah, uh, let's do it. These these movies feel fresh from the fifties. They though. do, don't they? It's like it's it's, it's it's like you're 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 watching something for the first time. It's like a, the opening your eyes to the possibilities of of cinema when you go back and watch a real movie from uh, from the the olden days. But of course, we're we're not just talking about a real movie. We're talking about a Stanley Kubrick movie. So that's like an extra real movie, you know. 
Um, and of course, we're talking about the killing. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, I guess the killing is pretty well known. It was kind of like Stanley Kubrick's first like real quote unquote movie. Like I, I'm pretty sure that he intended it as like I'm gonna make this movie and then I'm gonna take over Hollywood because it's gonna be so good and they're all everyone's gonna love it and then you know whatever. And it kind of happened. <laughs> wait, wait, um, is that way that he was that ambitious with this? Well, he was very confident that it would be a very good movie and that it would be like wow. a way to kind of get himself more into the industry and more uh you know it's you know we're talking stanley kubrick here so it worked obviously oh yeah he nailed it (laughs) um but no the killing is is a a great movie i saw it for the first time in a film class with professor leach a couple uh however however many years ago that was i think I, i took a class on film noir so i'm sure that it was probably during that class um and i remember just i remember really liking it but it had been a long time since i've seen it probably almost like nine ten years something like that so i just saw it popped up on criteriums like yeah you know i kind of want to want to check this out again and man oh man is that a real a real movie that that's a, a nice a nice slice of movie right there isn't it mm-hmm. oh it's 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 great when i want one to get the description going yeah sure uh do you have like a synopsis up or should should i just kind of wing it no, I can do it. Yeah, right, sure. I'll go, go I'll go off IMDb and then we can fill in the blanks. Sure, I guess. sure, 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 sure. Uh, crook Johnny Clay assembles a five-man team to plan and execute a daring racetrack robbery. Uh, so it, it's directed by Stanley Kubrick. It's I think it's based off of a novel. Yeah, yeah. And then it was adapted to to screen by uh, by Kubrick. Mm-hmm. I think it was Lionel White. Is that yeah? Is Lionel that, White's uh, novel, Clean Break clean break yes so it's uh it's about a group of you know well a main criminal who's looking to rob a horse track mm-hmm. horse horse racing used to be the biggest sport in, in the united states believe it or not mm-hmm. uh and so like there's now everybody knows horse racing mainly for like the the triple crown the kentucky derby and things like that but horse racing was just like a regular huge event like all the tracks across the country and this is uh a plan to uh you know, have all these different steps to allow him to steal all the money and get out, of, get out of there, and then split it up amongst the uh, the five, uh, the five of them. And uh, of course, doesn't quite go exactly <laughs> the, as planned, uh, and uh, things kind of unravel, and then you kind of see what uh, how how uh, how it all turns out. Yeah, there's even there's so much in this. Every like at least, I, I guess the. All the of the five man team are so fleshed out really well. At least mm-hmm. like four of them, who all have these distinct characters. Especially, and you know, one being that uh, there's a uh, there's a femme fatale in it that mm-hmm. kind of breaks up the whole thing. Yeah, 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 I guess you can call her that. Oh or, yeah, definitely, or, definitely. Yeah, Mary Windsor, sure, right? Yeah, yeah, which uh, kind of leads to the disintegration of everything that's kind of happening, or part part of at mm-hmm. least. It's it's great. Uh, just a fantastic yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the... Uh, it, it's not the first heist movie, but it's kind of like the classic heist movie, you know? Like, it, it has... it Basically, you, you, you're taken through the whole plan, and then the, the little things that can go wrong because of human nature and just people not being perfect are what ultimately unravel it. And, uh, man, it's, it's, got, it's got such a great ending, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh the, yeah uh, i was gonna say the ending is just the the greatest thing ever yeah and maybe like the like the whole first five the whole, whole last like five minutes are, are is just so good yeah, yeah, yeah it's always like this like the because we've we've reviewed other uh 
you know, I guess like film noir or uh, mystery or or things, mm-hmm. and this it, like or like Hitchcock stuff, there's always like small parts of the plans that uh, end up being the unraveling mm-hmm. or little yeah. like things that you, yeah, that you yeah. can't pick up on. Like I didn't see that, that uh, the conclusion of this one coming, yeah, like, yeah. but I'm watching it like it, but, but it's so set up perfectly that, you know, you go back, your brain immediately goes to, Oh, he messed that part up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They showed that. Like yeah. it's, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's just, just excellent. No, and yeah, I know clever. that, uh, that, that Quentin Tarantino was inspired partially by the killing and for uh for reservoir Dogs, oh, his first yeah. movie no, no question yeah, about it like, yeah you can see that yeah, i mean i'm sure there's been there's been tons of those of course but it like especially just the interaction between all of the different players mm-hmm. in this like everyone in the group mm-hmm. and how they kind of all most of the scenes are are them together kind yeah. of figuring out how it's going to work and how they kind of align mm-hmm. their parts and then when they come together and that's uh, reservoir dogs was just like a more punched up version of that where yeah, you don't yeah. even see any of the actual heist right really. yeah, you yeah. just see the fallout in that movie so that was like his version this one you see everything you yeah. see the planning the heist and then the fallout yeah, all yeah, of yeah. it it's and it they do it somehow in a perfectly crisp hour and 24 minutes which yeah is right awesome now the, the the other thing is uh that that's it feels very modern for a movie like this is the kind of non-linearity of the way the story is told because you're getting yes. everything from the perspective of each character kind of at the beginning of when it's relevant for them regardless of where that is in the timeline of like the actual event so you'll see something like play out from one character's perspective from beginning to end then go back to another character um, and of course it never gets to a point where like you see the conclusion of the movie early but you're seeing like the the perspectives of each character individually and then it comes together at the end and that's something that's like th- that that's a very modern thing for for a yeah, movie from yeah, the, mean, uh, the 50s well that's very yeah. i mean that we talk about tarantino yeah. how many tarantino does it all the time yeah of course yeah with his, with his movies like going back and even reservoir dogs and in pulp fiction yeah exactly yeah the hateful eight they do he's done all that kind of stuff which i mean kubrick is one of the architects of just of so many different film techniques and oh, totally, the way yeah. you do the storytelling so yeah it, it it's uh basically up to the point of like or at least most of the time when they do like the the timeline stuff is is right at the point of when the the seventh race starts which is the big race mm-hmm. so you see that sequence kind of like starting many times and then you but you see it from the perspective of all the different uh, uh members of this group that are like carrying out this mm-hmm. uh this heist which is just uh you know terrific yeah and the 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 performances are just so good i mean i think sterling hayden is one of the strangest screen presences there's ever been in such a compelling way he's he's the main character who is johnny clay um he there's something about his just like presence that is is so electrifying but in a way that's very unusual for for a character Like, like he's not He's not charismatic in like the the traditional sense. He's he's very weird, you know. But he has yeah. this kind of like o- almost dopey like charm in, in this movie. Even though he's he feels like he's in like total control of the plan. I don't I don't really don't know how to describe it. But like there, there's this great shot of him standing next to the uh, the the door to like the security room while the uh, the distraction is taking place. At, at the track and he's just like standing there holding the briefcase and he, he looks so like silly and he has like a little like just kind of like watching it unfold with like this little smile on his face <laughs> I, I don't i don't know how to describe it it's, the end too is is so good like just his uh his kind of like 
acceptance of what uh what what ultimately happens where he's just kind of like what's the use <laughs> you know? yeah but like it's, yeah, i think that, that might be the exact line yeah he's, he's just he's so good in the movie but so is everybody like I, i've talked about uh elijah cook jr before when we talked well, about my favorite it's yeah. it's wilmer Wilmer's yeah Wil- wilmer from uh from uh the maltese falcon but uh he, he's he is so good in this movie like that that guy has like He's he's the most pitiful character in this. But he's like, the, he is like the saddest yeah. character. He he yeah. basically is Wilmer, his character who was the, you know the I guess the kind of henchman of the the fat man in yeah. Maltese Falcon, all grown up now. Yeah. And this is what you kind of think this character would kind of be, still getting no respect. Yeah, he gets a you know he's he's married, but his wife doesn't respect him at all. No, and she's she's off with some other other mm-hmm. guy on, underneath his you know. His his he, he might suspect something I guess is happening, but uh, he's just trying to hold on to his marriage for mm-hmm. someone that he he loves. And he it, it's he's the saddest character. Yeah, but uh, it he, I guess he would probably be like if if they were naming like the the leads of this, he probably gets as much screen time as dead uh, as you get from Johnny. Right? Yeah, from yeah. Sterling, yeah, from Sterling Hayden. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. So he he's he's like. He's kind of the heart and soul of the movie in a way, but in like a very, very sad, pathetic way. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the second that you you see the relationship he has with his wife, like you you immediately feel so bad for this sad sack, um, and you know that his his like his very earnest love for her is going to be the thing that ultimately ruins everything, um, because he's just he's just a dope. Like, <laughs> there's, there's there's no hope for the guy. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a perfect plot. It runs like clockwork. Like every single piece fits together so well in the way that the plan unfolds and things go wrong and the way that things, the things that work and the things that don't work, like it's all so perfectly laid out, um, and clever. And and the, the dialogue is incredible. It was written by, uh, Jim Thompson, who I haven't read any of the novels by, but apparently he was one of like the real top, like hard boiled novel novelists from the time. So you have this just just mm. great electrifying dialogue in this movie that is so charismatic and and incredible. Um, it it's really like one of the classic noirs for sure, um, and such a uh, not not necessarily Kubrick's debut, but as as like a first like major work from a filmmaker. It's it's just incredible. <laughs> I, I can't recommend this one enough. It's one of the one of those just like perfect thriller movies that everything works at at 100 yeah, percent. and like it, it all looks good too like the entire like oh god the horse the horse like, racing the, the way that that's filmed is so kinetic and fascinating like that they have like these long lenses where they're following the horses across the track and like it's moving at like a million miles an hour like that's got to be so hard to film like i know that you're just like you're on a tripod and you're just trying to follow them but being able to like you know, be perfectly in focus on the horses and following it at like the exact perfect pace all the way around the track is insane. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're all spectacle too. I mean, they have they get you know they have the stunt horses, of course. Yeah. In in, in there, they have also this actor that they found to play who played Maurice. Who, oh God, who yeah. Had the, the the tussle. I think his name is Cola Quar Quarieri Quar Quarieri. Mm-hmm. Quarini. 
Marini. He barely acted in many things. He's he's only got a few credits, but he is so perfect in this. Oh yeah, yeah, he's and awesome. That, that sequence of in like the 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 tussle that he gets into is just incredible. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Looks, it looks great. <laughs> oh man, it's just a great movie. Like th- th- this is one of those movies that like you you put this on anytime and you're you're instantly you're in a good place. You know, it it's perfectly paced right from the very beginning. Everything about it runs like. Just, just it's it's like magic. It's it's like a like a work of a magician, and you can't believe what you're what you're seeing. It's just so perfect. It just immediately transports you, the the perfect kind of movie, you know. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, you know, I I would recommend checking that out if you're interested in you know a nice real good movie with real good uh, real good stuff in it. But you know, I I don't know what what else is in theaters right now. Maybe you could see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Everybody tells me that the action scenes are like way too long, and it's very boring. A lot of people have been falling asleep in the middle of it. I'm 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 getting told that's that's what I'm being told. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I heard that there's not a lot of excitement for for that one. <laughs> I do hear the ending is hilarious though, so maybe that's uh, maybe. Oh there's, yeah, I I, uh, like I got the ending spoiled for me, yeah. uh, intent intentionally because I didn't want to see. This. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, and I do think it is pretty funny. All right. Well, we'll uh, see you next week, everybody. Have a good rest of your day. Happy 4th of July.